You ready? 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 Watch out, three, five! podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. 
Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we will talk nothing but sports. Well, mostly nothing but sports, I should say. Uh we have just come off of the Survivor finale, so for any Survivor fans, uh, we did the finale podcast this past Thursday night. If you haven't had the chance to do so yet, go and listen to it, because uh, there was quite a bit of information uh, talked about, as well as maybe some teases for next season as well. Uh, we also will be, be getting the Big Brother podcast sometime in July. Uh, so Big Brother fans uh, who, who also listen to the Missy AE podcast, uh, be on the lookout for that because that will be coming, on down, the, uh, coming down the pipeline uh, moving forward. And also we have a special interview. Well, I, I'm not sure yet if it's going to be an interview, but it, it'll be a special podcast uh, that Jim actually announced this past Thursday on the Survivor podcast where we will be talking with one of the finalists from this season of uh Survivor 42 but that's all that's all uh coming up in the coming up in the future uh right now I have Lou with me and Lou we have a lot of stuff on the agenda we got the we yes. got a preview of potential we got a preview of potential NBA finals uh, there's yes. a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, there's a whole bunch of turmoil going on in Brooklyn. Dan Snyder maybe uh-huh. uh, maybe on his way out of Washington. And plus, we got a we got a preview uh, or not preview, but look at where the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs stand right now. So why don't we start with that, Lou? Because the Stanley Cup playoffs, it looks like we are headed towards the conference finals, and. Yes. You remember this one? You remember this one thing that you said, where you said that Tam- there's no way that Tampa Bay would be able to uh, would be able to threepeat. I'm eating my hat right now. It sure looks like they're on their way towards a threepeat, dispatching yeah. Florida like it was nothing. I couldn't believe that myself. My goodness. Now they swept Florida in four straight games, four to one, two to one, five to one, and then they shut them yeah. out in the final game of the series. And keep in mind that this was a Florida Panthers team who I believe was number one in the Eastern Conference in terms of record. So they were. I, I believe they were. Uh, yes. So, you know, it it really looks like right now that, you know, I guess, I guess it doesn't matter uh, where you fall in terms of in, ter- in terms of uh, the standings because no, it, it doesn't. Re- it, it, I mean, Tampa Bay had a first round matchup against Toronto, which they ended up beating in seven games only because Toronto has a history of uh, of choking like they do. Uh, right. Like I said, like I said, either either last week or the week before, 
there's a rumor going around that they are about to fire their general manager as well as their head coach. Uh, yes. So a lot of a lot of uh, reconstruction about to take place in Toronto, Florida though. And here's the thing with Florida: they also they had Joe mm-hmm. Thornton, who this may have been his last potential hope of maybe contending for a yes. Stanley Cup. Though it hasn't been officially announced that it's not known if he's going to come back or not, he's still debating that. I I mean he he is uh, he is forty two, so I mean maybe potentially yeah. he could play for another potentially he could play for another year, but I mean these are pretty career lows that he put up this year. Only only thirty four games, five goals, five assists. So. You know, it's not like it's not like he's really as much of an effective player as he used to be right. at this point. But if this is the end for Jumbo Joe, I mean, wow! You know, talk about uh, yeah. talk about a career: four hundred and thirty goals, one thousand one hundred and nine assists, in in one thousand seven hundred and fourteen regular season games. And plus, not to mention the the playoffs. Believe it or not, he only played in one game uh, this entire playoff run. Yeah. Otherwise, he he was a scratch for basically all of the uh, all of the other games that they ended up playing. Uh, but in 187 games played in the in the playoffs, he has 32 goals and 102 career assists. So. It's a, it's a shame too that uh, the Stanley Cup has eluded him because I mean he has basically everything else. He's a five-time gold medalist. Uh, I mean he's a multiple-time All-Star. You know he won the yeah. Art Ross Trophy. He won the Art Ross Trophy back in 2006, and he won the Hart Memorial Trophy back in 2006 as well. Uh, he was. He's been a member of the first and second All Star teams. It really seems like the only thing that has eluded him is the Stanley Cup. And granted, uh, many would say he kind of wasted his career with San Jose when uh-huh. he could have been elsewhere. I mean, San San Jose. You know, they basically. The closest they even came to a to a Stanley Cup uh, to a Stanley Cup win was back in 2015-2016, which I think was actually his last his last elite year, where he was putting up elite numbers, and then it just started going downhill from there. Right, but uh, apart from that, though, you know, Florida. I think a lot of people are kind of surprised. It just goes to show you that winning the President's uh, Trophy doesn't mean a thing. Exactly. And, you know, I, I'm kind of thinking that the uh, – I mean, there it, there has to be a President's, uh, a president's Trophy curse, doesn't there? There is a, there is a curse now. It has now been declared. There's only been three in the last 21 years where the team that has won the President's Trophy has gone all the way to win the Stanley Cup. Not a very good so, track record, if you yeah. ask me. Yeah. 
Exactly. I mean, you know, going going one uh, one win every uh, every seven years at, at that pace. So, right. right. And, and you know, Florida, Florida is is just that next uh, just that next group uh, of a group of a group of losers. But I mean, Tampa. If you're facing Tampa Bay, though. You know, it's kind of it's kind of yeah. hard with the with the talent that they have and the goaltending, especially that they have. Uh, yeah. You know, it's. I I could have I pretty much said right from the start of the season that Tampa Bay, granted they weren't they weren't playing, uh, at their at their level at the start of the year, but yeah. I mean, T- Tampa Bay. They go through. They go through the year not losing any of those stars from their from their last two the last two years that they've won the cup. And you know, it's uh, and here's another thing too. They actually swept uh, Florida, I believe, without Braden Point. Yeah. So. I mean that's pretty significant. If you if you can sweep a number one seed without having your best uh, your best or one of your best players. And we have a little Rangers. Yep i I, I was literally just yeah. I was literally just about to go uh, to go to this series next because uh, the only series that is currently going on right now is Carolina and and the uh, Rangers with uh, the Rangers now. Uh, leading three to nothing in Game Six, and it looks like they're going with Peter uh, Kiochkov. Uh, I, I yeah. just don't know what the hell his. I don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah, uh, I don't even know how these. Yeah, how these are came and say. But, but uh, they have again. officially. Yeah, they they have officially pulled. Uh, they have officially pulled uh, Anti Ranta from. Wow, uh, from the game, and you know, uh, here, here's the thing too. A lot, I actually think that I mean, granted, Ranta eliminated the Bruins like he did, but he doesn't really have much. If I if I recall correctly, he doesn't really have much of playoff experience. Yeah, well, sometimes you know it can surprise you. Um, but a player doesn't have much experience because uh, sometimes that, that could, uh, you know, it can make it make a good impact. I mean, you know, there was a time, of course, we didn't hear some of the greats of, you know, today's game. There was a time we didn't hear Joe Thornton. There was a time we didn't hear uh, Mary Lemieux. And look how they turned out. Yeah, but I, I mean, you you just you take a look at his previous experience uh, coming into this season. He had played in five career playoff games. And he had an zero and one record, which uh, most of, yeah. most of these playoff games came in relief of uh, yeah. of the previous goaltender. He had been in three games with the Rangers back in 2015-2016, and he had been in two games with the Coyotes back in 2019-2020, which was the bubble uh, the bubble year, I believe. Right, so, the bubble. So I, you know, he. He's had very minimal, very minimal experience, uh, playoff experience heading into uh, heading into this season, 
And for the most part, he's primarily been a backup goaltender. So I think that speaks a lot in terms of the, you know, the situation uh, involving the, uh, the Hurricanes uh, netminders. The mm-hmm. fact that they're 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 now basically down to their third string goalie in net right now, with I believe Frederick Anderson is still injured, uh, mm. so because I, I, I remember that I remember they said that they were oh, and actually hold on right there because Hurricanes uh-huh. do get one uh-huh. back, so it is three it is three to one right now. Uh, Here we go, but you know. For, a lot of they were looking at Frederick Anderson as potentially coming back before the start of this series. That you know that he would be back on, uh, on time and be able to be able to play. Because I mean, obviously, you take a look at Anderson's career. He is very clearly yeah. their number one goaltender. He had a thirty-five, fourteen, and three record this year through fifty-two games. But obviously. You know he's he's uh, since been sidelined since the regular season with with the uh, with the injury that he's currently dealing with. Uh, but he not just that, but he also has a lot of playoff experience from his time with the Anaheim Ducks as well as the Toronto Maple Leafs. Or at this time, we can call them the Toronto Maple Laughs because let's face it, at this point Ooh. you can. You could you could only laugh at Toronto at this point with uh, yeah you could with the problems with the problems that they have in the regular uh, you know in the playoffs yeah but still I mean, I mean Austin Matthews you know, had a great season all went to waste yes Austin you know Austin Matthews Mitch Marner those are two guys who didn't show they show up in the regular season. But they always disappear when it comes to the playoffs. When it comes, I, I don't know if it's because of the increased physicality of the playoffs, you know, that that the playoffs bring. Well, where that has been known. You know, to a happen. lot of people, a, a lot of people, a lot of people look at the playoff or look at uh, in every sport, they say that the season doesn't start until the playoffs, and so you can kind of see it. You can kind of see it in in all these different sports, especially with how the physicality just completely ramps up. I mean, look at the NBA, for example. You know, in the NBA, yeah. you're seeing a lot more physical play. And not just that, you're seeing refs kind of letting a few things go uh, compared to yes. what they, you know, compared to how they would call a game during the regular season. Which, by the way, I still have a bone to pick about last night's game, but we will talk about that uh, later right. on. Uh, and one specific call that was uh, that was called. Yes, call me a bitter a bitter Celtics fan, but let's face it, and you probably know which call. You probably know which call I'm talking about. That was absolutely yes, bullshit. The Jason Tatum uh, layup that they called yes. a charge. But anyway, anyways, back to uh, back to this series though. Uh, the Rangers, they've had to pretty much fight back this entire series. They they started off going yeah. down two nothing in the series, 
with an overtime loss, two to one, followed by uh, a two nothing shutout. Then they bounced back uh, with with consecutive three three and four goal games in games three and four. Right. But then all of a sudden, Carolina uh, bounces back with a three one victory in game five. And now, obviously, game six, it's three to one with New York. Uh, game okay. seven, if necessary, will be uh, will be Monday. On, I believe, actually, yeah, it'll be in Carolina on Monday if yeah. necessary. So uh, we may have to wait a little bit longer to see who is going to take on the, the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning in the yeah. conference finals. But what are your thoughts, Lou? Do you think uh, if the Rangers – because I, I, know, I know you're a Rangers fan. You know, you cover the Rangers. Uh, do you think there's a possibility that New York could potentially get past Tampa Bay if they can, if they can uh, knock off uh, Carolina? Well, nobody thought they were going to be Pittsburgh either, and nobody was giving us a chance to beat the Hurricanes. So uh, if they can get past uh, Hurricanes um, in these next two games – I think they will have a chance to be the Lightning. I mean, obvious, obviously, yeah. they're going to have to have their they're going to have to have their big stars show up, like Artemi Panarin, uh, Chris yeah. Kreider. They're going to have to have Kreider. all their big stars show up. Zibanejad, Igor, Sh- yeah, Zibanejad, Capo uh, Caco, uh, Alexis oh, Lafreniere, and. Yeah, you know, Igor Shesterkin is also probably going to have to stand on his head in order to. Uh, oh, right. here we go! And that um, is oh, a yeah. four to. That is Make a four to one. Tally. I knew I would guarantee it looks like this that one was by, it Looks like that was by Zabinajad as well. I think. Uh, the star of the playoffs. <laughs> no, that was by Chittle. I think. Oh. Yeah, it looks like that okay. was from Chittle. Number seven the two. Now that right there, I mean, it's cl- it's clear as day. The fact that he's able to do that on a backhand, that's it. It, yeah. it, it shows you. It shows you just exactly. Oh, and he went top shelf on that too. That's it. Just shows you Ooh. the complete difference. The complete difference between a starting netminder and a backup netminder. Especially, so much for the change. Uh-uh. Well, not, not to mention he's coming. Uh, you know, their 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 backup is coming in cold. You know, it's not yeah. like I mean, yeah, he went through he went through warmups, but he's had to sit on the bench for a period and a half. So he's technically coming in cold. Mm. It's kind of like the equivalent of uh, of a pitcher coming in in the middle of an inning, what they call a dirty inning. Right. So. Well, I always call that relief pitching. Well, yeah, relief pitching, but they, you know, they consider they also consider it a dirty inning as well. Dirty. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, because if there's men on base. If if there's men oh, on okay. base and they and and you know they're gonna have to, uh, it's not it's not like they're coming on with one out with one out and nobody on, you know if they're coming right. on with men on base now now they're entering a pressure situation, 
Uh, and that's kind of the same thing here uh, with Carolina and uh, Pyotr Kochikov yeah. is the fact that, you know, he's he's entering, a, you know, the, the, the opportunity to bring Carolina to the Eastern Conference Finals. And right now, I mean, it's uh, I, I I just look at so many angles of that replay, and I, I'm yeah, just yeah. wonder I'm wondering how the hell he was able to get that in on a backhand, no less. <laughs> You're just as good as mine. I am I am stunned, uh, but what I'm more stunned about actually is the fact that the Edmonton Oilers are actually headed back to the Western Conference Final. Yeah. It, it looked like it was going to be a horrible, horrible series after game one when they lost nine to six. In the six. Uh, against Calgary. But then Edmonton took the next four games in a, in a gentleman's sweep, you could call it. Uh, with Right. A five to, with a five to three, a five to three victory, a four to one victory, a five to three victory again, and a five to four victory in overtime to yeah. knock out to knock out the Calgary Flames, and now they're set to match up against the Colorado Avalanche. Good luck with that one. Beat the St. Louis, who beat the St. Louis Blues four games to two. Although I, I don't know if you saw the game on uh, what was it Wednesday or Thursday, but uh, that turned out to be a battle. I was I think the best game best game I've seen all month. With uh, with St. Louis winning five to four in overtime. Yeah, despite the fact that McKinnon scored a hat trick. Yeah, I I didn't get the chance to see it unfortunately because uh, well I did I had I had I had Celtics on the mind. Uh, well, that and also, I, I had not just Celtics, but I also had the Survivor finale that I was watching, too, at the same time. I, was, oh, I had yeah, two yeah. different screens on. I had two different screens right. on uh, with two different, uh, two different things airing. Uh, but I will put an asterisk next to this series, though, because, yes. the, St. Louis, because the St. Louis Blues, they had to play – most of this series without Jordan Binnington, their starting goaltender. Yes. After Which may explain why there was no defense in the series. Exactly. After the after he collided with uh, with Nazem Kadri in Game Three, and even if St. Louis advanced, according to the Athletic. Jordan Bennington was expected to be sidelined for weeks. So basically yeah. his injury, his injury would have essentially knocked him out of the playoffs entirely. Uh-huh. And it actually caused, uh, it actually caused a lot of, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of uh, firing between both teams. Uh, Colorado's yeah. head coach, Jared uh, Colorado's head coach Jared Bednar he thought the play was legal as both Kadri and uh, Callie Rosen were chasing the puck. So ba- basically, what happened was Kadri pushed Rosen and colli- and Rosen collided with uh, 
with Bennington, which caused the injury, and, and Bennington went right into the goalpost, basically. Uh, yeah. However, however, Swinning head coach Craig Berube disagreed with it, and basically what he said was, oh, look at Kadri's reputation. He, he basically just said, look at Kadri's reputation. That's all I got to say. And he kind of has a point. You know, Kadri is Uh-oh. known for being a Ooh, we do have a bit of we do have a bit of a scuffle in front of Shesterkin here. We got a bit of a brouhaha. Yeah, but uh, you know, Ka- uh, Nazem Kadri does have a history with suspensions during during playoff time. Yeah. So, I guess we could say it's not really much of a shock that he lived up to his reputation here. Uh, Correct. Yeah, you know, I, I guess the. I guess the question I got for you, Lou, is do you think if Bennington was able to play the rest of the series? I mean, obviously, Colorado, they beat St. Louis 5-2 to two after Bennington was taken out. Uh, if, if Bennington did not get injured and was able to play the entire rest of the series, do you think Colorado still advances or do you think St. Louis advances? I don't think it would make a difference, but I think maybe uh, the Blues would have made. Um, well, wait, they, how many games that series went? Six. It went six. Um, no, I think it would. I think it would have stayed the same regardless. The Avalanche, the Avalanche was very strong this year. The Blues gave it a fight, but I don't think they would have had enough. I, I think it would have not mattered either way. Because now, if McKinnon was off his game, that would be a different story. Yeah. But what what basically happened, though, was Colorado basically exploded on Billy Huso, who was their backup, yeah. uh, their backup goaltender. Once Huso came in to, uh, in relief of uh, a Bennington, they exploded for five goals. So, you know, it's kind of like, would it have been would it have been a different story if yeah. Bennington had never gotten injured? Because I mean, you take a look you take a look at the at the previous two games. Bennington gave up four goals within two games, uh, yeah. a three two loss in overtime and a four one victory uh, in game two. So. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you kind of have to wonder if maybe perhaps Bennington would have made a difference, having been because I mean, you go from you go yeah. from uh, being tied at one game apiece entering Game Three to Bennington's injury in the first period, to then losing five to two, and then you lose six to three in Game Four, which puts you at a three yeah. to one disadvantage. Then uh-huh. you somehow win in overtime, despite, like you said, despite Nathan McKinnon's hat trick. Yes. And then Colorado puts you away in game six last night, three to two. Right. I, you know, I'm just, I'm kind of thinking, Lou, that had Bennington still been in the game and, you know, had, had never gotten injured, games three and four may have been different. At least goal wise, you know, maybe at least St. Louis would have had a bit more of a chance 
compared yeah, to maybe compared to Billy Huso being in that. Right. But now we have we have Colorado taking on Edmonton. Uh, this is, I believe, Connor McDavid's first trip back to the conference finals, I think, in, in quite a few years. Is this finally the year that McDavid lives up to, uh, you know, everybody calling him Connor McJesus for a reason, the fact that he was supposed to be the next uh, billing of Wayne Gretzky. Does, well, is this the year that he by. finally... Is this the year that he finally lives up to that and he brings a Stanley Cup back to Edmonton? Not the Avalanche anything to say about in this series. Now, look, it took Raymond Dort 21 years to get to get a ring and a cup, so, mm, True. you know. True. Yeah. And with Colorado yeah. of all teams as well. So Of course. Now, now, where were you that night when that happened? I remember where I was. Oh, I mean, that was all the way back in, what, 2000, I think? Was it 2000 That was back in 2001. I forget where I was back then. I remember where I was. But uh, regardless, though, game one of that series will start this upcoming Tuesday, uh, May 31st. So uh, we will get our answer, or we will we will at least look and see what that answer could be. Although, you know, the Avalanche are 8 and 2 while uh Edmonton yeah. is 8 and 4 in the in these playoffs. And Carolina cuts the deficit to two goals on earlier. Oh Here we go. Swipe by Vincent quite the swipe by Vincent Trocheck, former uh former Florida Panther there. Mm. On his knees, of all things. Or, no, actually, I think he was on his stomach. I don't think he was on his knees. Oh, oh, okay. He was doing it as he was falling. All right. Yeah. Nice. It went, oh, it deflected. It deflected Defle- right You off can't do that. No, that, that's a good goal. That's a good goal, but it's just unfortunate. It's unfortunate for uh, Shesterkin that it deflected right off of the defender in front of him. Mm. I mean, that's a, that's how it went in, because otherwise, the way Trocek shot it, it didn't look like it, it didn't look like the trajectory was heading towards the net. Yeah. So anyway, anyways, uh, obviously, like I said, a potential game seven in this series uh, will be Slated for Monday, while Tuesday mm-hmm. we will start the Western Conference Finals between the Edmonton Oilers and the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, that is set for eight o'clock Eastern. Uh, we do have a few other bits, bit of notes for the NHL. Uh, Mark Giordano he has signed a two-year extension with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, it is set to be for the minimum. So $800,000 per year, uh, which is kind of surprising for Giordano considering uh, his veteran status. Uh, He had 10 assists and 12 points along with 41 blocked shots and 29 hits in 20 games with Toronto after he was acquired. Uh, He also had two assists as well as 12 blocked shots 
in seven playoff games for the Maple Leafs this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, It looks like he's taking a discount in order for him to stay with his hometown Maple Leafs. So it is kind of surprising, but it looks, it looks like maybe perhaps this is where he will end his career uh, in these final two seasons with the Maple Leafs moving Mm -hmm. forward. But we will see uh, when it comes to that. Uh, Dmitry Zavgorodny has been placed on unconditional waivers by the Calgary Flames. Uh, He ended up splitting the season this year between the AHL and the KHL. So uh, obviously wasn't able to crack the Calgary Flames roster. So pretty much just a minor minor, uh, transaction going on here. Uh, Brad Marchand, he has undergone successful hip arthroscopy sir, and, and labral repair as well yeah. on both hips. So he will be, he will need about a minimum of six months to recover. So the Boston Bruin forward will not be ready for the start of next season. Uh, this year for the Boston Bruins, he accounted for 32 goals and 80 points in 70 games played. So a huge loss for the Boston Bruins, who may also be without Patrice Bergeron this year, as either Mm. he may move on or he might retire. So they're going to be without two of their top three forwards uh, entering this upcoming season. And also also another thing I want to talk to you about, Lou, uh, before we move on to the NBA, is the current situation involving the Boston Bruins because in a in their uh, exit press conference that the uh, team president does, or the uh, general, or not general manager, no, right, the right. team president does, uh, right, Cam right. Neely, Cam Neely basically talked about the future of head coach Bruce Cassidy. And he seems yes. to put blame on Cassidy for the Bruins' struggles on the power play this year, even though technically, isn't technically the power play the responsibility of the assistant coaches? Yes. But yet, he's putting all of the blame on the head coach, Bruce Cassidy, which, of course, honestly, and in my opinion, doesn't make doesn't make sense at all. Consider, ooh, you know what? I think the ref should have blown the whistle there. The ref should have blown the whistle there on uh, on New York because he was. I think he was covering the puck with his uh, uh, yeah. with his glove right in front of the net. So that technically should be a penalty on the Rangers. Yeah. But. You know this uh, this whole thing with uh, with the Bruins. I mean, just a few just a few seasons ago, Bruce Cassidy was the winner of the Jack Adams Award, which for fans right. who don't know that goes that goes to the best coach in the entire league. Yes, and every every season every season that he's been the coach of the Boston Bruins, he's made it to the playoffs. Granted. He, granted, he has a 36-37 and 37 record with the Bruins in the playoffs. He did lead them to a Stanley Cup final appearance 
before losing to St. Louis in seven games. I mean, regular season, you know, he has a 245 and 108, or no, a 245, 108, and 46 record in six careers, in six seasons with the Boston Bruins. And yet, now all of a sudden, Cam Neely is saying that this is all on him instead of on Don Sweeney, the the general manager, who is, because here's the thing with the Bruins. They had just gotten out of cap hell that Peter Peter Shirelli had put them in. Oh, that is goaltender interference. That is definitely goaltender interference right there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they had just gotten out of cap hell uh, with, what, with what Shirelli had left them with in terms of high salaries and whatnot. And then all of a sudden, Sweetie puts them right back into cap hell. They're pretty much up against the cap. <laughs> they, they, have, they have maybe $4 million of space. And, you know, it's now all of a sudden, you know, Cam Neely is saying that this is on Cassidy. This isn't on Sweeney. Even though I will say Sweeney made a pretty good move by acquiring Hampus Lindholm from Anaheim at the trade deadline, I still say that was a good move. However, he has completely botched some of the, some of the drafts that he has had since becoming general manager of the Boston Bruins. I mean, yeah, he supplied the players, yeah. and it's up to the coach to be able to coach the players uh, to put them in the best position possible to succeed. But I mean, you, Lou, you take a look at the you take a look at the records that they've had during Cassidy's career yeah. with Boston. Every season, with the exception of two, four out of the six seasons, they had a hundred points or more. To finish uh, to finish off the year. Matter of fact, one year I believe they won the President's Trophy with him. Yeah. Well, actually, no, I shouldn't say that because they were they were in contention for the President's Trophy and then they ended up losing it. They ended up losing it. Uh, you know, right at right towards the very end of the season. So, you know, I guess I guess my question here, Lou, is who do you put the blame on for a first round exit. Do you put it on the coach or do you put it on the general manager? I think in this case you gotta put it on the general manager. For making a for making a move like that. Alright, let's put it this way. Let's say let's say Patrice Bergeron is gonna command eight million you know, seven million, eight million dollars per year if he if he if he wants like a short term contract. Uh, if yeah. he decides to keep playing, the Bruins, because of or not Shirelli, because of Sweeney's recent signings, the Bruins are in no position to give Bergeron a seven or eight million dollar deal, money wise. Right. That's how. That's that's why they're in cap hell right now. And honestly, you know, 
he gave three million dollars. I, I I'm still pissed off about this. He gave three million dollars to a guy who couldn't even score. He he scored two yeah. goals this year, and he was a he he basically played on the fourth line all year long. Although, I guess you could say that is Bruce Cassidy's fault. The fact that he put that he put him on the fourth line, but. I think what's more asinine is the fact that they gave Nick Foligno $3 million per season to come be a Boston yeah. Bruin. And his production that he put up is nowhere near the production of a $3 million per year player. So I don't, there's a lot of turmoil that is going on in Boston right now. Uh, in terms of player players players who may be leaving, uh, whether or not they will have a coach, if the, if they're going to have to look for a new coach, I would assume that maybe perhaps the one thing that'll change is maybe perhaps they may uh, they may look for some new assistants, some new assistant coaches this year. I would be stunned if the Bruins keep Don Sweeney as their general manager. But yet they fire yeah. Bruce Cassidy. That'd be kind of strange. Okay, at the end of two, four two. All right. Two Rangers are twenty minutes yeah. away from forcing a game seven. Yeah. And why are why is Shesterkin still out there? That's pretty stupid. No, I, I just I just found it kind of weird that. You know he was he was still sitting there in the net. You know, uh, wonder, wonder if he's if he's potentially kind of injured. No, I hope not. That would ruin everything. Well, that would force Georgiev to uh, to to suit up. Mm-hmm. And you want to talk about a cold goaltender? He's been sitting on the bench the last forty minutes of gameplay. So, yeah. All right, uh, moving from – well, actually, no, we do have one more thing for the NHL. Uh, Linus Carlson, he signed a two-year entry-level deal with the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, he's coming off an, an impressive season uh, over in Sweden. In his rookie year with a, with the, uh, the Skeletia AIK of the Swedish Hockey League, uh, he produced 26 goals and 46 points. Uh, and he was also named the SHL Rookie of the Year. So uh, this officially means with him signing an entry-level deal, uh, he will get the opportunity to uh, go to Canucks training camp, maybe potentially make the team, and we will see uh, what comes from that. Now, Lou, the NBA playoffs. Thursday. I mean – I, I, I mean, you know, it's. I'm a I'm a Boston Celtics fan, but yes, I just got to say this right now: whoever wins Game Seven tomorrow, as much as it pains me to say it, they are going to lose to Golden State in the in the uh, NBA Finals. Oh well, whether no it's Boston, whether it's Boston or whether it's or whether it's Miami. There is nothing I have seen. There is nothing I have seen from this series from either team 
that would convince me that they would be able to out-hustle Golden State. Right. Especially when you got Thompson I mean, back, and that was a difference. Yeah. I, I mean, they they handled Dallas four, four games to one. You know, not even uh, not even Luka Doncic, the uh, the up and coming cheat code, uh, you know, the yeah. up and coming human cheat code, as I as I uh, call as I call players like Steph Curry, uh, you know, not even Doncic was enough to to make the series competitive. Right, Golden State. I, I, hell, I believe I believe one of the games they were down by what twenty. I think uh, even more than that because it was up like twenty nine. Oh wow! Yeah, that's even worse. They were down by twenty nine, and yet Golden State mm-hmm. goes on to win the game. Well, no, they they got within ten in, in one game against uh, Dallas. Well, wait, no, I thought there was one game in that series where they were down by they were down by twenty, and they ultimately ended up coming back and winning. Because I remember shutting I remember oh, right, shutting right. it off, and I remember shutting yes. it off and saying this isn't even close. And I was expecting that you know Dal- you know Dallas would would be uh, would ultimately end up winning, and then lo and behold, Golden State comes from behind, and they basically just showed why, you know, why they should be considered the consensus favorite in the NBA Finals mm-hmm. this year. Uh, and as far right. as Dallas goes, I mean, this is going to be a tough, a tough pill to swallow for them because they yeah. may lose Jalen Brunson. They may lose Jalen Brunson in free agency because he's going to be mm-hmm. seeking a massive deal. Yeah. And uh as far as the as far as the Golden State Warriors go, uh Steph Curry won the inaugural Magic Johnson MVP award, which goes yes. to the MVP of the Western Conference Finals. Uh and I mean, just taking a look at what he averaged in this series, twenty three point eight points per game, six point six rebounds, seven point seven or seven point four assists per game. I mean the guy is a human cheat code. That's I don't think there's yes. anything more I can say about that. And the series averages I mean it's it, it's clear as day who the better team was. Golden State had more points per game, 15 point or 115.2 compared to 106.6. They had more rebounds per game, 46.8 compared to 35.4. And they had more assists per game at 29.4 compared to 21.2. So, you know, this is a team who, by the way, is now operating on a ton of rest because the series, I believe the NBA Finals starts on the second, I think, which yes. would be which would be Thursday, I think, right? Thursday, yes. So, you know, Golden Golden State, they've had the time, they've had the opportunity to uh, heal up a lot of their injuries. And speaking of injuries, Gary Payton Jr. is expected to be active for Game One after suffering his fractured elbow, like he did. 
Now, over in the uh, Miami-Boston series, I think this is, you know, even though it's tied three games apiece, neither of these three games were ever really close, though. Until no, the very uh, until the until the very last few minutes, I mean Miami took game one, which honestly I will say game one wasn't even close, uh, one eighteen yeah. to one oh seven. Then Boston stormed back and they blew out Miami in game two, one twenty seven to one oh two. Game three, Miami took a two one lead with a one oh nine one oh three victory in Boston. Game four, Boston blew them out 102 to 82. Then Boston goes to Miami. Uh, somehow, defense, you know, the defense has been a huge part of this series uh, yes. on both clubs, actually. Uh, Boston ended up holding Miami to, I believe it was fifth, wasn't it 15 first period or first quarter points? Something like that, yes. I mean, I mean, hell, within the first eight minutes of the game, Miami only had one point. One period. point. That was like one of the worst period, one, worst scores I've ever seen in the history of basketball. Yeah. It's it's like they – none of their shots could fall, period. No. At all. So Boston well, what the hell are we watching here? Ma- well, it's a three-point contest. That's what the game. It's 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 what Jim said last week. The three-point. It's become a three-point contest. Yeah, I know. I know, but you never expected it to be that bad. Uh, you know, as they say, you live by the three, you die by the three. Uh, Boston. Do. They took game Whether it's five. They took game five. True. Yeah. Either way, but uh, Boston took game five, ninety-three to eighty. Uh, game six, which was last night became the referee show uh, where Mm -hmm. pretty much it seemed like there were calls being called left and right. Max Struess fouled out of the game. Uh, There was another Miami player, Kyle Lowry, he fouled out of the game. There was also uh, Jalen Brown. He ended up up fouling out of the game for Boston. I mean, the game really became a referee show, essentially, with Zach Zarba. With Zach Zarba being the head, and they're official. gonna watch. I would expect that from a from a Scott Foster game. I would not expect yeah. that from a Zach Zarba game. But now it almost appears like Zach Zarba has become. And let's get this straight. I'm not just speaking because he because uh, he made horrible horrible calls against Boston. He's been like this all playoff long. He he did it to Phoenix. He did it to Dallas when they were in Utah. When they were playing Utah, he's done it multiple times this playoff run uh, during uh, this playoff year as a whole. And he did it again last night, where one of the one of the call one of the uh, calls was Jason Tatum went for a layup. Did not come in any like he did not make any sort of motion, any sort of pushing motion whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Barely made contact with the with the uh, Miami defender, and right as the bat, right as the ball went in, right as the ball went in, they called a charge. They called a charging call on James Tatum. 
even though it's clear that it wasn't a charge. And they said right. uh, there, there were some people. There were some people who said that may have been the the, the worst officiated call of the entire playoffs. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Both. You know. I wouldn't doubt it. But I will say this: that does not. You know that that is not the excuse for why Boston lost. Boston no, lost because they could not shoot worth a shit last night. And Tatum and Brown, if you're the stars of this, of, if you're the star of a basketball team, you're not making one shot attempt in the fourth quarter. You have to make more than one shot attempt. I mean, give me a break. Yeah. How can you expect? How can you expect to advance to the NBA Finals and potentially win the Larry O'Brien Trophy if your stars? are just going to completely disappear in the fourth quarter. And also also Al Horford waiting until the fourth quarter to finally get on the score sheet. I mean, the Celtics basically did themselves no favors whatsoever last night. And turnovers were well. Actually, no turnovers were both even. You know, both both teams had. I think it was like mm-hmm. seventeen turnovers, uh, both. And fouls. Surprisingly, the game ended with an equal amount of fouls on both sides. So, the referees did their job. They got they got the NBA a uh, game seven that they so desperately wanted. Now, what I found interesting though, Lou, is that. Mm-hmm. As soon as as soon as the game ended, game seven or game seven's uh, money line came out, and it was Boston by one forty in Miami. Right in Miami, and Vegas still believes that Bo- well Boston they're giving Boston a minus two and a half. For, yeah. To win the game, and a minus one forty on the money line. It's kind of stunning, if you ask me. Maybe maybe I they're banking on the fact that maybe they're banking on the fact that Boston has never lost consecutive games at all this entire postseason, and yes. maybe they're figuring maybe they're figuring that it's not going to happen again. But uh, actually, I actually I'm slightly wrong. They're minus one forty five on the money line, okay. and Miami okay. is plus one twenty. Miami is plus one twenty. Uh, Celtics are two and a half point favorites for for tomorrow night, which starts at eight thirty. But let's be realistic; it'll start at eight forty five because the the the, right. the scheduled start time is never the actual start time. Uh, well, you have to factor under, in the pregame. Yeah, but I mean, when they say tip off is at eight thirty, you expect the tip off to be at eight thirty, not at eight forty-five or eight forty. How much on network TV? It's not. I mean, <laughs> it's. Anyways, the the over and under for yeah. for tomorrow's game is set at one hundred and ninety-eight and a half points. Which it's pretty high considering considering how this series has gone. I mean, 
technically, I guess they could potentially they could potentially uh, go over that. Uh, I mean, I get it. All depends on how the defense is for both clubs, and whether yeah. or not whether or not uh, they're going to be hot or cold from three point range. Because that's basically mm-hmm. what this game has turned into is a is a gigantic three point contest, basically. So, all right, let's let's get down to it right now. Eastern Conference Finals, Game Seven. Uh, for the Miami Heat, you have Tyler Harrow, who has been out for the last couple of games with a groin injury, and according to according to what NBA experts have said, this is normally an injury that, uh, if it was the regular season, you would be out two to four weeks with this type of injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harrow has continued to practice and he has continued to warm up before games to try and give it a go. Obviously, he'll do the same thing here for Game Seven. Boston, they're dealing with the uh, with with injuries to both Marcus Smart, uh, who has a uh, who has a I think it's an ankle sprain or something, uh, and you have Robert Williams the Time Lord, who has been dealing with uh, left knee soreness on the surgically repaired knee uh, for the past the past couple of games. However, Time Lord has played the last couple of games, and Marcus Smart has as well. So right. I guess the question comes down to if both teams are healthy, or actually, no, let me, let me, let me put it this way. Uh, let me give you the likeliest scenario in my opinion. I think Tyler Hero potentially misses or he either misses or he plays very limited minutes in game seven. I would say very limited minutes. I mean, the fact that he's dealing with a groin injury that normally would put any other player out two to four weeks in the regular season. And now you expect him to come in for the playoffs. I mean, that's, Part of me makes me think that he's not going to dress, that he won't be able to dress, but it's game mm-hmm. seven. So, I, you know, the question is, do you, do you potentially risk re-aggravating that injury even further in order, for, in order to potentially advance to the NBA finals? I don't think I would risk it. And, you know, the same goes for Marcus Smart and uh, Robert Williams. Obviously, uh, they have played the last two games. But still, you know, the Celtics are a much different team when they have both Marcus Smart and Robert Williams playing. Definitely. Uh, I mean, hell, they're part of a a starting five that had, I believe they had the top plus minus in all of the league when they had their fully healthy starting five. Hmm. So bottom line, Lou, game seven tomorrow night, who do you have uh, meeting Golden State in the NBA Finals? I'm going to stick with Boston. I had enough on Dark Horse, and I'm going to stick with it. You know, I'm, I, I'm obviously going for Boston because – Right. I'm a Boston fan. I, you know, I've been born born and raised all Boston sports. 
I'm going to oh. go with Boston, but I would not be surprised at all if Miami no. has – if. and I said this last night in Sports Whispers, if Tyler Harrow becomes magically healed from his, uh, from his groin injury and ends up coming back, coming back for game seven and putting up a monster game and Miami ends up advancing. I've seen this story right. before. I know how it goes. Right. We've all been there, haven't we? Hell, it happened a couple of years ago. Granted, this was LeBron James with the Miami Heat. Uh, when he put up forty some odd points to eliminate the Boston or to, to well, force the power game hero seven. is no LeBron James. No, obviously not. And you know, uh, it's, it's sort of what I'm saying is it's sort of following the same storyline where their star player has a forty plus night game in, or a forty plus game in Game Five. Or, I mean, in game mm-hmm. six to force a game seven. And just like what happened that season, uh, the Boston Celtics ended up, lo- ended up blowing a 3-2 lead and losing in seven games. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope Boston can eliminate the Heat tomorrow night, but I just have, I have a bad feeling. Oh. I have a bad feeling that I have seen this story before, and I know exactly what's going to happen. I just have a, I just have that bad feeling. If Boston can limit the turnovers because the turnovers were absolutely horrific again last night, if they can limit the turnovers, I think they have a shot at, at advancing to the NBA finals. Yeah. They're going to need to limit the turnovers Tatum and Brown are both going to have to show up and not have one show up and then the other one doesn't. Both of them yes. have to show up. You need you need to have Robert I understand Robert Williams was was somewhat limited because of his knee, but you need to you need to keep him involved out there. Yes. And for the love of God, if, and here's the thing that pisses me off the most is game six. It was yeah. a lights out performance by Derek White off of the bench. Oh no question. Twenty two points. Twenty two points. He was shooting. I think he shot four for seven from three. You're never gonna see him shoot that good ever again from three point range in a single game. At least right. this playoff run, you're not. So. In my mind, I saw that as a completely wasted opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I hope to God that they can bounce back and win game seven. Because if not, that, may, that collapse in game six where they, ha- they had the game in their hands and Miami snatched it away from them. If they lose game seven... There, I think the, there's definitely going to be a lot of smoke around the Boston Celtics to where oh, yeah. people are going to be at, to where the media is going to be asking, can this team ever get over the hump? Can they ever make it to an NBA final with this, with this core? Right. 
tomorrow night is their opportunity to finally get over that hump. And this is the closest that they've been since Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have been a duo. Like I said, I'm hoping, but I would not be surprised if they don't. Right. If they don't advance. Um, also, not just, or you know what? Let's let's uh, go into a potential NBA Finals preview here. The okay. Boston Celtics and the Miami, the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. Let's say Boston wins and advances. Do you think Boston has a shot? No. No. That lineup is too powerful. I mean, Thompson's back. Yeah, although Boston did even, uh, they did split the season series with Golden State this, this season, one game apiece, and the Boston win was a blowout. However, put an asterisk next to that, that was with an injured Stephen Curry. Yes. So, I think, I think maybe Boston, I think the one thing I would say about Boston in a potential matchup with Golden State is I think their, their switching style of defense would make, oh, that is a high stick, no doubt. Um, that is a high stick Again, uh, by Carolina there to to Kreider. That is no doubt about it. Uh, you know, I would say the one thing is maybe perhaps Boston's defense would provide the most trouble for Golden State potentially. The way they they the way they switch their defenses during a game. However. I do think that Golden State, it just seems to me like Golden State has more depth. They have a better bench. Unless unless Boston is able to replicate what they did to Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, what they, well, I can't say what they did to Giannis because Giannis still went off. Uh, but if they're yeah. able to replicate what they did to Irving and Durant and instead do it to to Curry and Thompson, maybe Boston mm-hmm. has a shot. Right. However, I am fully expecting that we will we will see Steph Curry get his what, fourth ring, I think. Yes. I'm fully expecting that that's probably going to be the result. Now, if Miami makes it, uh, uh, you know, to the NBA Finals, do you think Miami has a shot? No. No, I say Golden State all the way. thing with me is Miami, they have enough firepower to potentially engage in a shootout with Golden State. Because literally, I'll say this right now, Miami has been uncharacteristically cold from three-point range this series, with the exception of a couple of games 
usually their usually their three point shooting isn't as cold as it's been this series. With Golden State, they won't be facing as tough of a defense. So maybe perhaps there might be more opportunities for three point for uh, for for open three point shots for Miami. However, I do think Golden State still takes that series regardless. Uh, now, as far as whether e- whether either series uh, will go, however many games, I couldn't I couldn't speculate that at all. I would say maybe right. maybe Golden State in six against Boston. Uh, I would say Golden State in five against Miami. I think yeah. Miami could potentially. I could. I think Miami could potentially steal a game. Really? Uh, by the way, so, uh, potentially yes. If if Butler has has one of those games where he goes mm. completely lights out, has has forty seven points and uh, is making ungodly shots from everywhere, <laughs> then yeah, I could see them potentially stealing a game from Golden State. But by the way, to our no, I mean, yeah, I doubt it's for, yeah. What was that? Yeah, because Dallas did steal a game, uh, did steal one game, you know, in this round. So, yeah, it, it could happen. Yeah, it's it's possible. I mean, I'm not I'm not just gonna say I'm not gonna say you know Golden State in four because that would make right. me sound like a very bitter Boston fan. Uh, but honestly, the big thing that if, if we're going to see a Miami matchup with Golden State, the big thing you need to see is Bam Adebayo needs to be more aggressive. Because Bam, he's, he, he, this is a guy who averaged, I think it was like 18 points and 10, 10 rebounds per game uh, during the regular season. As Shannon Sharp put it, you haven't. Uh, there's been games in this playoff run where you haven't seen that out of. Uh, you haven't seen Bam Adebayo assert himself like everybody knows that he can. Now he has done that a couple of games in this series. I mean, he was he started off the series very. Uh, you know, he started off the series asleep essentially. Uh, where he seemed kind of out of it, so to speak. But if Miami does advance to the NBA Finals and they're going to, you know, and they're facing off against Golden State, they're going to need Bam Adebayo to be more aggressive. Especially against some of of, uh, Golden State's big men. Otherwise, because, I, I mean, let's face it, Butler can't put up these big point games every game. So, you know, I would say they've got a problem. If, if Adebayo doesn't show up in the NBA Finals, mm. if it's, if it's right. Miami – and Golden State, because we know Golden State's going to show up regardless. You know, uh, 
Yes. One of Curry or Thompson may have an off night, but they have more depth on their bench that will that will sort of make up for that uh for that off night. Now you know, I just, like I like I said, it's it's very hard to predict. I, I still do think that Miami could steal a game. Maybe potentially they could steal two, but it's just the way that Miami has played during this playoff run. I mean, they here's the thing: they've dealt with in with with uh, everybody deals with injuries, obviously. Uh, I think that Philadelphia series completely shifted when Embiid. Yeah. Well, it, it shifted from the very beginning when Joel Embiid uh, missed the first two or three games with a with his uh, with his injured eye. His injured eye, and he also had a concussion. And also, James Harden, you know, didn't even bother to show up for the series. Mm-hmm. But, and you know, in Boston, we've seen it. We've seen it happen multiple times where, you know, if Marcus Smart hasn't played, or Grant, or not Grant Williams, Robert Robert Williams hasn't played, Miami has been able to take advantage. With Golden State completely healthy, apart from uh, apart from Gary Payton Jr., who they're going to be getting back. Yeah, I think Miami is going to have a much tougher problem against Golden State than Boston might. Now, that's not saying that Boston's going to win the NBA Finals. I'm not saying that at all. I, uh, however, I do no. think that I do think that Boston would provide a tougher matchup for Golden State. Than Miami would, and you know, there's a very likely chance. There's a very likely chance that maybe I'm wrong about that, but that's just from what I have seen out of this series. And wow, God, there was literally there was there was no lift on yes. that goal from Artemi Panarin. And that that was uh, that was a five on three, wasn't it? Or was that a five well, on uh, regular five on four? That was a four on three. Oh, it was a four on three. Okay, one yes. uh, one of the uh, one of the rare four on three scenarios. Right. So yeah, a two minute advantage. Yeah. That, okay. So that you know this this pretty much. Honestly, I think this. I think you can mark this as a win for uh, for New York at this point. I told you it was going to be a guaranteed win, people. You know, it's, it's the Messier. It's, honestly, the Messier guarantee. See, it's honestly hard to see how Kochikov missed that missed that shot. But yeah, it is five. It is five to two now with about twelve minutes to go in the game. So, uh, obviously, if New York wins, then it'll be uh, Game 7 will be on Monday. And I assume that Wednesday would be the start of Game 1 for the Eastern Conference it Finals. Is. Yes. Uh, for well, the Well, you would have uh, to because you would be NHL. pretty stupid to have, a, to have a Finals in the NBA on, you know, on the same night as the conference files in, in the NHL. You had a pretty stupid to do that. And since both of you are on the same network, uh, that makes you even more stupid. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, if it's ESPN, they can all, you know, don't forget, they can switch it over to ABC. ABC is involved with the NBA Finals. No, but I know that, but sometimes the NBA Finals, you know, sometimes uh, the NBA for the Conference Finals, they had it on uh, ESPN instead. Right. Mm. Oh, oh, so they'll be exclusively on ABC. That's correct. Both, both of them. Okay then. This is the first the first time this has happened because it's the first time ever that all potential seven games for the NHL will be broadcast on network television. That is a first. Jeez. Jeez. In that case, man, it's yeah. Well, they, you know, I mean, this, a day, uh, I mean, a day and age where everything is going streaming and cable and everything else, uh, you know, in hockey, yeah. uh, you know, most Americans, you know, don't give it a cat's ass. But uh, you know, they're they're um, doing it. They're doing it on all network games will be on network TV. That's never been done. Of course, next year it's well, going to turn part- the tables when all seven games will be on cable next year. That has been done. Right. Well, this partnership is already working out well between ESPN and the NHL, then, it seems. Yeah, but the you also forgot TNT's uh, involved in it, too. Well, yeah, obviously. So next year they get all seven games. Oh, okay, so it alternates. I see. Yes. Well, then that should be very interesting to see uh, – I want. I, I know they've had a couple of times. They've had Charles Barkley on as a uh, as an analyst for some reason. Not sure what the hell Charles Barkley knows about uh, about hockey. Oh, he does. But, just because uh, Barkley is associated with the TNT network, so that's the thing right there. Yeah. Well, obviously. But uh, well, actually, I don't. You know, I don't know how how much longer he'll be associated. I don't. I don't know how much longer he'll be associated though, because. Uh, from what it sounds like, it sounds like he, his contract yeah. may be uh, coming up with uh, TNT, and he isn't intending mm-hmm. on re-signing. I was not aware of that. Because he's pissed off. He's pissed off about something having to do with the producers. Oh, what a rob by Shesterkin! Oh, nice. Oh, we got a, looks like we got a line brawl. We got a line brawl going on here. I wonder, is that D'Angelo? Yeah, no, yeah, that's Trocek. That's not D'Angelo. I thought that was D'Angelo mm-hmm. at first. Nope, that's Trocek, and that is mm-hmm. also. Wait, who was? Oh, that's Fox Jesper fighting. Fast. Okay, that's Jesper Fast. Former Ranger, that's the former New York Rate. Yeah, former Ranger. Yep. Exactly. Serves uh, your life. You know, Right when right when right when we saw that take place, the first thing I thought of was Tony D'Angelo must be out on the ice again. Oh, even on replay, just looking at that at that glove save by Shesterkin, that could have that could have well, no, it was headed towards the post, I guess. So yeah, maybe it wouldn't have gone in, but that is an outright rob by Shesterkin. And it looks like oh are they are they all they're uh it looks like they're okay. just roughing penalties 
Bible game fight for fighting. Yeah, no, the, that uh, that wasn't considered a fight technically, I guess. So it's four, it's uh, al- alternating roughing penalties basically. Alternate so four roughing, on four okay. for the next two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. And by the way, uh, a little window here. Golden State. This is their sixth finals appearance in eight years. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think about that. Six finals appearances and the two years that you weren't in the finals was because clay thompson was injured yes and so, you know considering you know, you know two years ago they were the, they were the worst record in the league yeah and then that got them james wiseman yeah which reminds me what do you make of the lakers new coach Oh, Darvin Ham. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you. I'll tell you this much. He is seen around the league as as a very respected. Uh, he was seen as a very respected assistant coach for the Milwaukee Bucks. Right. So, the fact that he finally has gotten this opportunity with uh, with the with the L.A. Lakers. And also mm-hmm. keep in mind, he is an NBA. He's an NBA champion twice. He was an NBA champion with the Pistons uh, as a player. Oh yeah. And he's an NBA champion. He was an NBA champion last year as the lead assistant coach for uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, right. As far as you mean, he was with I'll the, he was with the bad boys, right? Yeah. I'll put I'll put it this way. Ham what Ham is basically on the level of Ime Udoka in terms of respected. In ter- in terms of oh there's uh-huh. D'Angelo right there. Of course. Uh you know the, Instigator. Ham is basically on the same he's on the same level as Ime Udoka was entering last off season before he got hired by Boston. So I think Ham may be able to reach certain Laker players and maybe perhaps, you know, he he's not going to be like Frank Vogel. I think, no, I think Ham will be able to, I think Ham will be able to get Laker players to respect him enough to where yeah. they'll actually listen to him and not tune him out. Right. Oh, what is – wait. So a tripping call – oh, okay. They tripping call and they called a TV timeout, I think. So Yeah, they did. And so it's a tripping call on – it's a tripping call on New York? Well, it's a four-on-four coming up, so. Well, yeah, it's a four-on-four, but they then called a tripping call here. So mm-hmm. – I think it's I think it's more than that. I think it's uh I think it's now a four on three. Wait, let me see let me see what NHL has. Uh third period. On sportsmanlike conduct, okay. So wait a minute, no, ah, okay. Andre Miller so K Andre Miller got a minor penalty. Uh and then Tony D'Angelo got on sportsmanlike conduct, so I guess it's still five on four, or I mean, still four on four, technically. Four on four. 
Or maybe it might be three on three, actually. That'd be interesting. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know how that's going to go. Maybe. Maybe it is three on three because it's not like this was a. Uh, it's not like this was five minutes for fighting. No. Now, Darvin Ham. I mean, I, I. I would say he's probably respected more as a coach as opposed to being a player. I mean, yeah, he's a former player, but. You know, he didn't really do much as a player. I mean, his highest season, he averaged 5.1 points per game. Um, right. Back in, back in 1999 to 2000 with the Milwaukee Bucks. So, I guess one thing that could earn him some respect is the fact that he played during during the older, I guess you could say the older years of the NBA where the the style of play was different compared to how it is now. Four so four. maybe that might earn him. Oh, it is four on four. Oh. Okay, so... Okay, so they did They did kind of... Uh, they they basically treated it as, uh, as five minutes for fighting then. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Dar- Darvin Ham, obviously this is the first step. For, for for LA, there's still a ton of stuff that they that they're gonna have to do. Uh, they're probably gonna have to unload Ru- uh, Russell Westbrook. You know, a lot of people yeah. though have considered this hiring to basically be LeBron James's bitch. Yeah, and that's all that that's all that Darvin Ham is gonna be. That's what a lot of people are speculating. I always thought LeBron James was a bitch anyway. Go oh, go. No. But according to uh, according to a uh, to a source, uh, according to a source from the Athletic, though, uh, they are not giving him the Frank Vogel treatment. Yeah. As Darvin Ham, uh, the Lakers are reportedly allowing Darvin Ham to have more freedom, which means he he will he will have autonomy to hire his own coaching staff. Hmm. Which is not which is not something that Frank Vogel was able to have. No, and to think it's only two years since they won their last championship, and they went from, you know, that, and they were concerned to be, you know, in the finals this year, and, you know, the shit is in the fan, you know, way too early. I mean, what the hell happened? Yeah, I mean, everybody was looking at them and and Brooklyn, as being yeah, uh, you know, as as being the two uh, the two favorites. And speaking of well, Brooklyn, you gotta remember COVID. COVID hit the uh, hit the Nets hard, number one, and then you got the whole thing, you know, um, Harden uh, leaving, going across the river to Philadelphia, and then yeah, what's his right. name? They didn't play, so I didn't think it was any good. So there was a whole, there was a whole, you know, shitload that was being dumped on us anyway. That, but also Joe Harris went down with a foot injury that put him out the entire year. That might have been the that might have been the, the uh, one that sank the ship. I mean, that's a key member of your starting rotation, uh, of your starting yeah. five that uh, that they were without. Now, speaking of the Nets, though, uh, you may have you may have a problem with uh, Kyrie Irving because according no, to really? uh, oh no. Uh, Obviously, you have a problem already, but apparently a bigger problem, yeah. though, because according to Chris, 
According to Christian Winfield of the New York Daily News, oh. it sounds like Damn. the Nets it sounds like the Nets are unwilling to give him a long term extension. Well, and sure. Irving Irving obviously is probably gonna opt into his final year of his contract, which is yeah. uh you know, he's he's gonna make he's making a shit ton of money uh off of a a one year option. He would probably command something in the range of four years, 185 mil, uh, you know, on the free, on the free agent market. And basically the only way another team would be able to sign him would be to do a sign in trade with Brooklyn. Uh, however, their decision with Kyrie could have major ramifications when it comes to Kevin Durant. Now, Kevin uh-huh. Durant, if you, don't, if you don't remember, Kevin Durant came to Brooklyn because he wanted to play with Kyrie Irving. And right. he still does. He still, want, he Irving still wants want, to be yeah, on the but same Irving, team. you know, caused so much controversy. And I can understand why they don't want, they don't want to get him because – if he's not going to put in the effort and not be there for the full time, uh, I can't say I blame him for uh, not uh, giving you a full con, uh, you know, a full term expansion. I'm not surprised. Well, of course, of course, you know, it's obviously they they have concerns of how how seriously he's going to take it, how you know how seriously he's going to take playing. Uh, and if he does exercise his player option, by the way, he'll make $36.5 million this upcoming year. Um, but also, and this uh, this is uh, gained some traction, according to SNY's uh, Ian Begley, the Nets would reportedly be open to moving Kyrie Irving as part of a sign-and-trade this offseason. So, Again, no surprise. Uh, yeah, no surprise. But the, but the but the bigger thing though comes down to Kevin Durant because from yeah. what it sounds like, it sounds like if Kyrie Irving isn't re-signed to a long-term deal, Durant has been has been serving as sort of a shadow general manager. Mm-hmm. And he's probably pushing for them to sign Irving to a long-term deal. And if they don't, I mean this this right here is basically going to tell you how much power Kevin Durant has in this franchise. You know whether yeah. Durant is capable, whether Durant is uh, has a say in what happens. Like if he if he has the LeBron factor. I guess if you could call it. Uh, if Irving leaves outright, as uh, according to uh, to Sean or not Sean Marks, uh, according to Christian Winfield in his reporting, he said if Irving leaves outright as a free agent this summer, disgruntled by the Nets' hardball stance on his availability, Brooklyn doesn't have the cap space to replace him with a star which means that Durant, yeah. entering year number 16 in his career, could be playing 
with a questionable Ben Simmons due to back surgery mm. and a roster <clears throat> full of role players. That's a first-round exit at best. And if Durant stays to see it, and according to multiple sources, and the next front office have not spoken since they were swept by Boston out of the first round. Yeah. So basically, in layman's terms, if Irving leaves the Nets, it wouldn't be a surprise if Durant becomes frustrated with the organization's ability to put championship pieces around him. And thus, this could mean the departure of Kevin Durant as well from Brooklyn. And then Brooklyn would basically fall back into obscurity where they were uh, before yes. before they before they started uh, they started rebuilding that franchise. Mm-hmm. And what a shame! All going down the tubes. Mm. And also, you kind of have to wonder too if uh, if head coach Steve Nash's job is on the line as well. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. You know, after having so much potential this year and then getting uh, swept in the first round, oh, yeah, his ass is on the line. Because there, there, have, been, there have been people who have, who have been saying that Durant is the main reason why he even got hired in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I what are your thoughts on this, Lou? Do you think that we could be seeing the self-destruction of the Brooklyn Nets before our very eyes? The clock is ticking as we speak. I mean, just, just think ticking, about that. If Irving, if Irving ends up leaving the Nets, you know damn well that that's not going to sit well with Durant. Isn't going to sit well with me either. Because Durant has gone to has gone to bat for Irving multiple times. Yes. Even even during the whole COVID situation. Mhm. I will say this though. I think next year. You're probably looking at Brooklyn going back up towards the top of the division, uh, towards the top of the conference. With with them bringing, you know, a lot of people may look at it and well, say, "Oh, that this year too. one player." Well, let's not forget though. You know, they lost Joe Harris, and a lot of people would normally look at losing one player and saying, "Oh, that's not really a big deal." Losing Joe Harris completely changed. Mm-hmm. How they how they handled their. Uh, I've often said that, how, that sometimes they, only one. Sometimes it takes one player out of the line that can screw it all up. I've often said that. Does anybody listening on that? No, of course not. But that's what happens sometimes. And I believe that's entirely what happened with the Nets, because the Nets yeah. pretty much have the same roster, but besides besides James Harden, they pretty much have the same roster, plus a Seth Curry. That uh, that they had last year, when they were what the second seed, I think. Yes. So, you know, I mean, yeah, Irving was out for if so many games because of. If uh, only Harden had a spot on the line, we would have won. It's just, 
you know, it, it doesn't really seem like, apart from Harden leaving, it doesn't seem like it's really that much of a different roster compared to last year. So, I mean, yeah, I would say that losing Harris was a pretty huge deal. I would think so, too. Just one of the things that went wrong. I mean, let me let me bring up because because I know he's one of the he's one of the biggest sharpshooters that they have uh, in terms of okay. shooting ability. Uh, just looking at his at his point totals, nope. he averaged he he obviously this year before he got injured he averaged about eleven point three points per game. He was shooting forty six point six percent from three. Last year, he averaged 14.1 points per game while shooting 47.5% from three. And then a year before, a year before last year, he mm-hmm. averaged a, a career-high 14.5 points per game with 4.3 rebounds, and he shot 42.4% from three. Right, and most of the, uh, he, you know, he's a career shooter. He's a career four eighty three sh- or forty eight point three percent shooter, right from the field. That's that's a pr- and that and that's through an average of twenty five point six minutes per game. That's a pretty big deal that you're missing from, uh, yeah. from your starting five. So. Okay. I think with Har- if Harris returns wow. next year, you may see Brooklyn go back to the same team that they that they were that they were last year. Obviously, without James Harden. That kind of worries and me a bit. Why? You know, Harden. You know, brought us to you know where we. Well, even if we that we did lose that series, though. But you know, we had it was a it was a stronger lineup, you know, with Harden. I don't know how we can you know do it with without him. You know, when Harden went when Harden uh, left, uh, that was the beginning of the downfall for the Nets right there. Not to mention Copeland. Yeah. That yeah. was the first. That was the and first part. Of the, the, but that was the first part of the domino effect, Steve. That was the first part of it. Then everything else uh, fell into place, and the Nets just fell off. Yeah, and plus it didn't help either that Ben Simmons never even played a single game for the Brooklyn Nets sick. after that after that acquisition. And meanwhile, yeah, but Ben Simmons, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm, well, he was he stuck out he stuck out like an oompa, like an oversized oompa loompa off of the bench. So yeah, but he always was. Yeah, and and you know it's kind of it's kind of like what what Jim said uh, a couple weeks ago. He quit while he was at LSU. He quit yeah. while he was in Philly, and he never even he never even stepped foot in, uh, in uh, on a Brooklyn court yet. So he's a waste. Yeah, and it looks like we are headed to Carolina. We guys have the game three for, games. I told apiece. you, I guarantee a win. Three games apiece, five to two, <laughs> with about 
With about 20 seconds left, the New York Rangers are about too. to force a game seven. All at home. However, the, yeah, all at home. But, you know, here's the thing. They're going to have to face a monster uh, a monster challenge here as the Hurricanes, not only have they won yeah. six straight game sevens, which is tied for the longest streak in playoff history. However, yeah. the Hurricanes are also unbeaten at home in this playoffs. Right. It's, it's sort of like last series with Boston. With Boston, when they were in Boston, they would put up, uh, you know, they would put up a subpar effort, and then all of a sudden, when they Four, returned home, three. it's official. We got Game Seven Monday night. When they, and yet, when they, when oh, oh boy, we got to, we got some okay. sort of, uh, we got some Go sort of scuff or. Attempted scuffle, I should say, going mm-hmm. on here. Caroline Some extracurricular activities. Mm-hmm. Oh, Ryan Reeves! Why am I not shocked? Ryan Reeves, and I couldn't, I couldn't see who it was for Carolina, but I am not shocked right. at all. But uh, you know, now, so now. The Rangers, they're gonna have, if they want to to advance to the Eastern Conference Finals, they're gonna have to deal with a team who has been unbeaten at home in the playoffs this year. Right. And it's it's so we- it's so weird. Like when you're on the road, or when the Hurricanes have been on the road this playoff, they've averaged maybe two to three goals per game. When yeah. they're at home, they average about per game. And by the way, that is the longest streak in, in a single postseason in New York Rangers history. Six straight wins at home for the New York Rangers. I like it. So, and, and they uh, they end it. They end the game with a salute to the fans, like they always do at Center Ice. Um, you know the the whole the. The big obstacle, obviously, that the Rangers are going to have to deal with is that they're going to have to somehow hand Carolina their first loss at home in this year's playoffs. Mm -hmm. Well, somehow I've never seen a team that play all and beat at home in the playoffs, so I don't expect to see it happening here. Something's got to give. Yeah, obviously, something's going to have to give. Or they may have to start steroid testing the uh, the Carolina Hurricanes uh, at their at their arena for because mm-hmm. I mean I, I don't I don't understand maybe maybe it's the crowd factor but I don't understand how a team can go undefeated at home and then on the road they're just a completely different team. Yeah. I. I just don't well, understand well, how that's possible. I guess we could test him. Looks like Barclay Goodrow was the number three star. The number two star is Shesterkin. And number one is probably probably Chidal, I would assume. Chidal. Okay. Shesterkin with 37 saves on 39 shots tonight. Beautiful. 
And, you know, a lot of people were wondering who would be the successor to, Hen- to King Henrik. Would it be, yeah. you know, would it be, would it be Shesterkin? Would it be Georgiev? And it's clear now that we're, yep, title's number one star. Uh, okay. It's clear now that uh, Shesterkin has been, is basically running away with, ha- ha- or has run away with the starting job for, uh, for the New York Rangers. Yes. So and, and 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 you know this is uh this is actually a huge show uh, you know a huge showing of just exactly yeah. all of the work that the Rangers have done with their uh uh-huh. you know from their front office. Right. I mean it, it wasn't it wasn't that long ago that they fired their team president and general manager. Now, all of a sudden, Chris Drury, Chris Drury has come up from the Hartford Wolfpack. And now, all of a sudden, he's brought the Rangers back to relevance. Yeah. So, it's a, it's a hell of a job that they, that they have done, uh, with this with this Rangers club and you know may, maybe perhaps they can finally put they can finally potentially put it all together. Obviously, that remains to be seen. Uh, moving on a little bit from the NBA playoffs, though, uh, the we have some news in, regarding an expansion. Uh, the NBA is reportedly expected to announce two new expansion teams in both Seattle and Las Vegas after their media rights deal expires in 2024. So it looks like, it looks like Seattle, you know, they're going to have their first team back since the supersonics left in 2008. Uh, Vegas, I mean, let's face it. What sport? You know, what? I think what Major League Baseball is the only sport that doesn't have a team in Vegas now. Well, Vegas seems to be a happening town. I mean, you, you know, you got the you got the Raiders, um, you got the you got the WNBA Aces. Um, yep. There's yeah, uh, baseball. They're looking for, they're looking for a team on a go. So um. It, you know, I do see a possibility. Um, I do think that Seattle d- does miss the um, Supersonics since they moved to Oklahoma City, became the blunder. So I think Seattle would, um, you know, be happy to welcome the team back. They got the Kraken, they got the they got the Fleas bags, uh, the Seahawks, excuse me, and the Mariners. Yeah. So I think uh, Seattle could use it. But I was thinking, you know, well, I... um, now, forgive me for sounding crazy, but uh, – Going back to, like, say, teams that once had Minnesota and before they moved, what about maybe uh, San Diego? Maybe give the Lakers and Clippers some competition a little bit further uh, uh, down the uh, freeway. Or maybe in Buffalo where the Clippers began. Did anybody think of that? I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, because, I, don't, I don't know well, about look, San I mean, Diego because they're so close. About because, you know, the Bills, you know, well, they have the reputation, and the Sabres just suck. So they want to maybe be able feel a little bit about something after football season because the Bills, I mean, the uh, Sabres, you know, aren't going anywhere. Yeah. I think 
I think it has to do with the medium or with the, with the, the size of the market oh, and I get it, I get whether it. or not it would be, whether or not it would be profitable. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. in Seattle, you know, people, uh, uh, Seattle is, I basically equate Seattle to Montreal uh, with the, uh, with the expos, oh, yeah. you know, people, <laughs> have, people have been clamoring, people have been clamoring for years for the expos to make a return. Uh, right. Sort of like right. how, sort of like uh, now how the how supersonic fans have been wanting basketball to return to Seattle for so many years. There has been talk of that. You know that just shows that there is still a market out there for basketball in Seattle, and maybe perhaps now you know you'll see more fans. Uh, deciding to, you know, you might see a more loyal fan base this go around with the new Seattle team. I assume they won't be called the Supersonics because the Supersonics, I believe, are owned by Oklahoma. The name is owned by Oklahoma City. So uh, they can't call themselves the Supersonics anymore. No. So I would assume it's kind of like the NHL, like – uh, for example, the Carolina Hurricanes were once what the Hartford Whalers, I believe. Yes. So, if there was a new, yeah, if the, uh, it's sort of like what happened with, um, you know, the Hartford Wolfpack when they renamed themselves the Connecticut Whale. Uh, they wanted to rename themselves the Hartford the Hartford Whalers, but they couldn't do it because no. of the fact that the Whalers. Uh, the whaler's name is still owned by Carolina. So, yeah, it's uh, obviously with Seattle, that's probably going to be a similar scenario here where uh, you won't be able to see the Supersonics come back and it's going to be, it's going to be a completely different name. You know, I mean, Seattle went with the Kraken for hockey. So who knows what the hell they're going to go with for basketball. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know it is. Uh, and as far as far as Vegas goes, I mean, I know I know they've been working on uh, testing the uh, Major League Baseball market. I would assume yeah. basketball would. So, I, I I would assume basketball would probably. Uh, you know, would probably attract some attention. I mean, we saw the same thing that happened with uh, Brooklyn, you know, when uh, when they moved the New Jersey Nets into Brooklyn, people were wondering whether or not it would be, you know, whether or not uh, the fan interest would be there because of right. where Brooklyn is positioned. And ultimately, you know, there has been interest that, you know, the, the fan, there has been a a pretty a pretty good crowd size since uh, yes. Brooklyn moved from New Jersey over to Brooklyn. Uh, well, I would swap. assume I would assume that considering Vegas or yeah Vegas, they already attract a pretty good uh, you know a pretty good crowd for the Golden Knights games. I would assume. Yeah. That it's probably going to be a similar thing with the, with basketball. So, 
I don't think there should be a problem. Uh, Looks like, though, that this will mean that with Seattle and Vegas both being in the West, one of those one of the West teams is going to have to switch over to the East. Okay, then we're going to get geographically screwed. So, looking at the teams currently that we have, uh, where is the standings list? I want to get the standings up here so I can take a look. Uh, Looking at the Western Conference, you have Phoenix, you have Memphis, Golden State obviously is staying in the West, so that's a no-brainer. Da- well, Phoenix is probably staying in the West, too, because they're in Arizona. Uh, Memphis is in Tennessee. They could be a candidate for the East. Dallas is in Texas. Uh, that's kind of on the border. Yeah. I don't know. Could you consider Dallas an Eastern team? Well, that's kind of, it, can go either, it can go either way. I really don't. But remember, if you remember back in the uh, NFL, uh, well, of course, Dallas is considered in the NFC East, and they do, so they're in there, so that's not, you know, too far-fetched. And, of course, uh, um, and of course, Detroit was in the West at one time before they moved to the uh, East in the NHL, which I thought was pretty, you know, stupid being in the West anyway, because, I mean, like, Detroit is West? It's West of what? I'm like, okay, this is geographically screwed up. So that's the well, last thing I want to see. Let's bring in JB here and see what he thinks about this. Uh, JB, we've been Thank discussing. <laughs> uh, we've been we've been discussing the expansion teams that are going to be coming into the NBA uh, after the, after 2024, and one uh, you know because both of these teams are going to be on the West Coast that means that one of the Western Conference teams is going to have to switch over to the Eastern Conference. And yeah. obviously one of the contenders that we have so far is Memphis, considering they're in Tennessee. What do you, what do you think about Dallas? Do you, is Texas considered – I mean, Texas is basically in the, uh, in the center of the United States, essentially – but they're currently in the Western Conference. Could they potentially move over to the East? I mean, would it make sense? I'm if if I saw the different um, conferences. Well, do they have like? Here's- do they have like east and west, or are they like baseball? They have like yeah, uh, no, it's, no, east to central. East and west. It's, it's, it's just east, east and west. East and, yeah, it's mm-hmm. east and west, but they do have divisions like Atlantic Division. Uh, they have Atlantic Division, Central Division, Southeast Division, uh, Northwest Division, Pacific Division, and Southwest Division. Uh, the it's, Atlantic, Central, and Southeast are all the Eastern Conference, and the Northwest, Pacific, and Southwest are considered Western Conference. It's it, it, it's almost like uh, these uh, uh, 
football conferences. You know, you have North and, uh, you know. Yeah. And yeah. there's a lot. There's some that you wonder, how in the hell can they be in the, you know, uh, all, let's say, uh, all like the Atlantic side. And you have somebody all the way over in, uh, you know, Michigan. That's in, And it's like, well, maybe they paid their way to, uh, you know, get in. You know, similar to similar to what uh, I guess Cincinnati's doing in the uh, you know Big Ten, and it's not like yeah. Cincinnati is one of the Big Ten uh, uh, you know teams, and it's like the Big Ten actually has like what twelve teams, the Big Twelve actually yeah, yeah. only has like ten teams, and it's like <laughs> you know maybe you need to switch your uh, you know, Big Ten and Big Twelve's uh, up. <laughs> right. Now, here's the thing I don't get, though. I'm looking at the name of the divisions. You have the Southwest Division. You have Memphis, who is in the Southeast. Tennessee, I'm pretty sure, is in the eastern part of the United States. You have Dallas, who is in the central part of the United States. You have San Antonio, who is in the central part of the United States. You have Houston, right. who is in the central part of the United States. And you have New Orleans, who is in the southeastern part, with, with it being in Louisiana. How the hell are any of those city, are any of those teams in the southwest? Mm. And they call it the yeah, southwest division. I don't know. Yeah. Where do you put them, southwest or on, uh, you know, uh, west. I'd rather put them southwest, uh, especially that maybe the uh, maybe Dallas, Houston, and uh, San Antonio. They would be, I guess, more southwest than New Orleans, definitely. Well, obviously, but you know, they're like if we're talking baseball terms, be in the Central Division. I mean, the Central okay. Division right now, the Central Division right now, you have Milwaukee, Chicago, Cleveland, Indiana, and Detroit, all teams that are in the central part of the United States, and they are all in the Eastern Conference. Now, the Southeast Division, you have the Miami Heat, you have the Atlanta Hawks, you have the Charlotte Hornets, you have the Orlando Magic, and you have the Washington Wizards, when yet the Washington Wizards are, are considered to be in the central portion of yeah. the United States. In the central portion of the East. So, yet, somehow, they're considered to be in the Southeast Division. But, of these teams, of these teams that I'm looking at right now in the Western Conference, these are teams that I would consider to be locks to stay in the Western Conference. Uh, to stay to stay in the Western Conference, I would say Utah, Denver, Portland, Oklahoma City, Phoenix, Golden State, both the LA team or all of the all of the California teams, obviously. So Golden State, LA, right, uh, or Clippers, Lakers, Sacramento. 
Uh, Phoenix would say Minnesota. You know what? Minnesota is another. Let me look and see where they are on the map. Minnesota is another. They're they're like right next to Wisconsin. Yeah. Yes. And yet, yeah, that's like a North Western Conference. And yet, they're considered I'd put, to be in the North. I put. I put them in with. Uh, oh. Any you know Milwaukee Green Bay. They deserve to be in that area more than, uh, you know, the other uh, areas, really. Basically, the teams the teams that I would see as a potential chance to move conferences because of the fact that Seattle and Vegas are going to be getting basketball teams, and obviously both are in the West, uh, I would see Minnesota as an option. I would see Memphis as an option, and I would see New Orleans as an option. I would mm-hmm. give more likelihood to either Memphis or New Orleans with probably yes. – I would probably say maybe Memphis would, would be more of, a, right. of an option as opposed to New Orleans. But I don't know. I think – I think what they may want to do is they may want to make it so that obviously New Orleans is, you know, a weaker team. So obviously they're going to want to balance out the two conferences, obviously. You know, they don't want one conference to overpower the other. So that might mean that might mean that Memphis gets to stay in the Western Conference and then they bring over maybe New Orleans to the east I don't know I don't know how they would do that but looking at the eastern and western conferences it seems like the eastern it just shows conferences where where I'm looking and it shows like 15 teams in the eastern conference and from what I see they are more uh, Eastern, really. Yeah. Uh, the Western. Uh, well, yeah, that's why they're in the Eastern Conference. If they're more Eastern, makes a lot but of yet sense. You have teams, but yet you have teams that are in the central part of the United States, like like Dallas or San Antonio or or Houston. Or you can you could put you could put Memphis in actually no, I would say Memphis is probably more in the eastern portion. I would think. Maybe I have maybe I have my maps wrong. Hang on. Cause yeah, because Tennessee is in the southeastern United they're in the, the SEC. Yeah. Yes. Even though Memphis is on the borderline between Arkansas and Tennessee, they're still they're still closer to the east than Louisiana is. And another thing too, how can you really say uh, Missouri 
is in the Southeast Conference. They're not I've Southeast. Like salt. No, you know? they're in the Central. They're in the Central. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about, uh, I guess I'm talking about like, uh, you know, football. I know, but I'm talking about I'm talking about they're in the central United States, right? You know, they're right next to Illinois, and I mean, technically, I guess you could say the same thing for Arkansas, but Arkansas is at least closer to the south, right? But I don't know. R- regardless, though, they're, they're because they're going to have two Western teams coming in. Uh, there's probably going to be uh, the need for one team to switch over because obvi- otherwise they'll have uneven uh, conferences. Uh, also, it says that another small change that was announced is that the uh, Chicago Bulls and Detroit Pistons will play in Paris, France this upcoming regular season. Which will mark the twelfth trip to pre- the twelfth trip to France, preseason included, since nineteen ninety one for the NBA. And also from uh, from my understanding too, it sounds like the play in tournament is reportedly here to stay. From what it sounds uh, like for uh, for basketball. Hmm. Okay. So that's something uh that's definitely something to keep in uh uh well actually you know, I, I haven't minded the play in tournament, honestly. It's kinda like the wild card. All right. Their yeah. own ver- their own version of the wild card. Uh and you know what, uh Lou, we talked about the Lakers and potentially the uh, you know the overhaul they're going to have to undergo. According to yeah. the Athletics, Jovan Buha, teams are reportedly demanding that the Lakers include a first round pick in any deal involving Russell Westbrook. I see. So teams are not even willing to take him on unless the Lakers provide a first round pick as well. I mean that right there, you know it's it, it's it's a completely it's a completely fucked up situation for for the Lakers organization. Like, I mean, obviously everybody looked at everybody looked at the Lakers and said, okay, you know, they all they need is just one star. They need just one star, and or one more star, and they should be able to, you know, they they should be in contention for a long time. But who would have known that? First off, that uh, you know, on paper, obviously, it looks like it looked like Russell Westbrook would be a fit, and it ultimately turned out. That obviously he isn't. So, yeah. I mean, it's just it it it, it looks like a mess at this point for the Lakers organization. You know, 
I almost think that we could potentially be seeing a dark point in the Lakers organization to where you may not see any contention coming from these Lakers uh, at all within, you know, within within, uh, the amount of time that they're uh, within the next couple of years. As long as LeBron is there, I believe. Right. Hmm. All right, Lou. What are your What are your thought What are your thoughts on that? The, you know, the, just the fact that the the teams are basically demanding that the Lakers give them a first round pick in any deal oh. involving Russell Westbrook. It's like, okay, you know. We're we're gonna you know we'll take Russell Westbrook from you, but you have to give us a first round pick as well. That's crazy. Yeah. And I mean, really, and you know, Westbrook trying to be a buck for the Lakers too. You know, they thought he was gonna, it was going to be a fitting piece for the Lakers to win a championship, and what did he do from nothing? I think I feel pretty, yeah, pretty sorry I mean, for anybody you you know. Yeah, you know, that right there is basically basically saying, you know, we're going to basically handcuff your team, essentially, to where, yeah, yeah, you can, you you know, you you could buy them out, but you're still going to be on, you know, you you would still be on on the hook for for the amount of money that he would be, uh, that he would be bought out for. Yeah. So I mean, you know, it's just, it's just it's a completely screwed up situation uh, with no question about that with the Lakers right now. I mean, who would have known that you would have gone from the years of Shaq and Kobe, and basically this team starts to go downhill. Kobe Kobe uh, tragically passes away. I'm you know not saying not saying I can really you know say anything yeah. like I can't I can't really actually say that that's the reason but you know Kobe passes away then all of a sudden you start seeing the Lakers go in a completely different direction like almost as if almost as if it's the basketball well I can't even say it that way I was going to say it's 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 almost like the basketball gods reacting in a in a certain way to an unfortunate incident that took place, right? Or the players of the team. Oh yeah, yeah. But... You know they're saying, "Oh my God, well, geez, our team's screwed now." Uh, do I got to get out well, of here, or am Kobe I going to stay? Well, Co- well, Kobe, Kobe was. This was this was after Kobe retired. Yeah, Co- Kobe. Yeah. Kobe. I know a lot about basketball. A while. <laughs> uh, well, clearly, Cle- clearly, JB. But um, you know, this was uh, this was after Kobe retired. So it's you know, it's not it's not the case of. Uh, I mean, yeah, you know, it, his death affected the the sport of basketball for quite a while. 
But oh, yeah. It, I think it affected uh, more than the sport of basketball because there was a lot of people that were, yeah. uh, you know, Kobe uh, fans. Yeah. But it, it just seems, though, like, I don't know if it's a karma thing, even though karma not, doesn't really have anything to do with this because it's not like the Lakers did anything to cause Kobe Bryant's death. It almost seems like it's sort of a a karma factor to where an unfortunate incident occurs, and then that basically it, it basically tips the scale completely to where your team all of a sudden enters a dark age, if we want to call it that. Yeah. Where you lose you lose arguably your biggest star of of the entire Lakers franchise and all of a sudden it just the franchise just goes completely downhill. Yeah. And to uh say something about that and I'm going to get off uh subject uh, there's a okay. lot of people here in Cincinnati that thought Bean's, uh you know, Pete Rose was uh, more or less uh, hung. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, betting on baseball and everything like that. That That's yeah. why they, uh, that's why they, uh, you know, went downhill in the... Uh, 90s, 2000s, and finally resurrected, and except for this year. <laughs> All right. But, uh, you know, that's how a lot of people, uh, you know, felt in Cincinnati about uh, Pete Rose. That's why uh, they think that that's why the Reds did as bad, did as, bad as they did, you know, uh, 25 years ago. And I don't think it has anything to do are. with that, really. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it's really kind right, of man. a similar. It's kind of a similar thing, though, where you know Pete right. Rose is done the way that he is, and all of a sudden things start taking a turn for the worse for the Reds. So it's kind of, I would say that right there is more of a karma, uh, is more of a karma thing compared to, compared to Kobe Bryant, for example. Yeah. By the way, this is just, this is uh, out of uh, breaking news in the wrestling industry. This literally is just coming out right now. Uh, AEW has a double or nothing pay-per-view set for tomorrow night. One of their stars is Mm. Maxwell Maxwell Jacob Friedman, who was supposed to be in a match for uh, AEW double or nothing. He reportedly no-showed a fan fest, uh, uh, what's it called, a meet and greet where fans would, yeah. it's sort of like WrestleMania, it's sort of like when WrestleMania did their fan access, 
where fans would get to would get to meet with certain superstars and whatnot. Uh, AEW did a fan fest for their big Double or Nothing pay per view. One of their stars was MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, who is one of the youngest stars in the wrestling industry today. Uh, one of the youngest bright stars, I should say. Uh, he's supposed to have a huge match against Wardlow uh, at AEW Double or Nothing tomorrow. It, not only did he no-show the fan fest, but reportedly there has been a flight that has been booked for MJF out of Las Vegas, which Las Vegas is where the event is supposed to be taking place. You want to talk about walkouts. Last week we talked about Sasha Banks and Naomi walking out of the WWE. It looks like we may have a case here with MJF walking out on AEW because there's already a contract dispute that is going on right now between both sides where MJF believes he deserves a lot more money than what AEW is offering him on a uh, on a con- on a new contract and it sounds like he may be taking his ball and walking home with it for, uh-huh. or flying home yeah. with it I should say from what it sounds like here so Lou what are your thoughts on this I mean if uh, there's a possibility MJF could be flat out released from the company, which would be good. I mean, it would be great news for the WWE who are looking to snatch him up at the earliest possible opportunity. Hmm. I mean, are, are we almost entering an era now where, where athletes, Will be and I, I consider even though these people are considered sports entertainers or actors, yes, they're still technically athletes because they still train, they still have to, to go through extent, the punishment and everything. What was that? To an extent, they're athletes, but not really. Yeah, to an extent, but not really. Uh, but they still have to go through, like they still take real punishment inside the ring and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do real damage to their bodies. Um, yes. But what are, your, what are your thoughts, Lou, on perhaps now we could potentially be entering an era where you're starting to see more and more start to walk out on their respective companies or teams. Mm. Yeah, I noticed that. And in this case, in this case, it's it's more of a contract dispute, if anything. Yes, that's what I was gonna say. It sounds more like a contract dispute more than anything else. So, I mean, right there though, it just you're basically you're basically putting a. Uh, you know, you're basically giving your company a huge fuck you, basically. Yeah. By choosing to leave, choosing to leave right before, a day before one of their biggest events in company history. Mm-hmm. Double or Nothing was actually their first 
ever pay-per-view that they ever did. And it's yes. considered to be it's considered to be their their anniversary pay-per-view. Where it's going to have right. the most amount of matches, it's going to have the most amount of matches, the most amount of build up, and this is basically AEW's WrestleMania. And now you have one of your top young stars basically saying, no, I don't like where my contract is going right now, so Mm. I'm I'm basically going to screw you guys. Sounds like it to me. Because I think you are getting screwed. JB, what are your thoughts on this? Well, peace. He's the one that signed the contract, and if somebody's walking out on their contract, you know, to me, I'm going to go after them and say, hey, uh, you breached your contract that you signed with us. That's the way, you know, that's what I would do. He's screwing me. Well, hey, I'm going to get back at you. And we got more lawyers than you do. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there was something that was said, and he actually deleted a tweet. Uh, Something that was said by the owner of AEW, Tony Khan. And let me see if I can find it here. Uh, So basically, okay, uh, Tony Khan s- said something about uh, real-life grievances could be added to the match for MJF versus Wardlow. And he said, it added another element to the party of a very exciting match at Double or Nothing with Wardlow and MJF, who has been very critical not only about his own contract, but his former bodyguard. For Wardlow, this is a huge opportunity to officially become a part of AEW, but to also send a message. For MJF, it's an opportunity to air some real-life grievances and air his actual status contractually or otherwise. MJF uh, then responded to these comments in a now-deleted tweet uh, saying, fucking LOL, laugh out loud. Fuck this place, man. And then he deleted the tweet. And he previously stated that he is looking forward to leaving the company in 2024 for the WWE. And now he's, you know, it, it sort of seems like he's basically been triggered comments of Tony Khan, who, by the way, for those who don't know, he, Tony Khan is also part owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars with his father, Shahid Khan. So... Needless to say, you know, this is, it's sort of a, it seems like it's going to be a bit of an alarming trend. The fact that, you know, we're starting to see athletes start to walk out on their respective sports 
well, obviously, it's it's only happened in wrestling so far, but, uh, you know, you could see something happen now where maybe perhaps athletes aren't happy with what they're getting paid by their specific team, and they may decide, you know what, I'm I'm going to hold out. I'm not going to I'm not going to play a single game more for you guys unless you give me what I what I deserve. Like one example to bring up is the Red Sox negotiations with uh Xander Bogarts. Now obviously Bogarts is too much of a classy man to ever to ever do this, but he could literally decide right now and say you guys, you guys don't even believe I'm I'm worth a, a nine-figure contract. Which for those for those unaware, nine figures is basically a hundred million dollars. Uh, he could say, "You don't think you don't think my my uh, I'm worth a nine-figure contract?" Well, you know what? I'll just hold I'll hold out on you guys. I'll I'll I'll, I'll refuse to play. Until you give me what I want, right. we could potentially see this. We could potentially see this start to happen in other sports now, potentially, on a wider scale. So I'd say anyways, on like I, a five per. I'd say on like a five percent, ten percent scale. It sounds like uh, some of these. Uh, uh, UFC fighters that don't like their uh, contract, and that's why they want to get out. And some of them are going to, uh, you know, other uh, other fighting uh, leagues. And right. the, I guess the way I guess the way Dana White looked at it, hey. You know, if you want if you want to leave uh, one of the best organizations, uh, you know, good luck. Uh, you know, good luck out there. Right, and we've seen we've seen that happen multiple times. I mean, Benson Henderson is one example. You know, we've seen we've seen it happen multiple multiple mm-hmm. times with uh, with UFC. Uh, as a matter of fact, I believe they're having the same problem with their current heavyweight champion, uh, with Kamara Usman. Or not? Not wait, not Usman. Um, Stepe Miocic. Well, he's wait, not. No, it's not. Uz, no, no, Usman no, 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 no. is um, the uh, champion. Usman is the champion. No, I'm thinking. No, I'm, no, Usman is the middleweight champion. I'm. Th- I'm thinking of uh, Francis Ngannou. Okay, yeah. okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, he's in the middle of a contract dispute right now with the with the UFC as well. He believes he should be getting paid top dollar. He should be getting paid uh like a superstar basically. He thinks he should be getting paid like uh Conor McGregor almost. Like Conor mm-hmm. McGregor or like GSP would get paid if he were fighting in his prime in today's yeah. uh, MMA. I'm sure Nagano's making a good uh mm-hmm. se- I'm uh, he's he's making seven figures uh you know a fight for him. I would uh, I would hope so anyway. Maybe yeah. he wants By more. By the way, uh 
Yeah. By the way, uh, another another name to add to that list, Jeff Hardy also walked out on the WWE. So this is basically within the last couple of months. This is the fourth walkout that that we will see in the professional wrestling industry. And then Jeff and then Jeff Hardy ultimately ended up uh, ultimately ended up uh, leaving the company and signing with AEW. So. And by the way, uh, the you know some people say that the uh, no, that some of this stuff could just be a storyline. It has been confirmed that the, that all of this is legitimate and is not considered a work by the wrestling industry. So this is all legitimate issues, legitimate walking out that is going on. I mean, needless to say, you know, this obviously is this uh, this obviously is is something that could be pretty huge for the for the future of AEW because MJF is considered to be yeah. one of their top stars. Despite him not being a champion, he is considered to be one of their top stars. Right. So Regardless, uh, and also it doesn't. I mean, it it doesn't look good on the owner's behalf. If you're you're just a, a barely new company, about two or three years old, and you're already having, you're already having your employees walk out on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't look good on you either. No. No. Now, in the somewhat absurd uh, story (laughs) of the day, the Cincinnati Reds' Tommy Pham has been suspended for slapping his team, or for slapping San Francisco Giants slugger Jock Peterson over, get this, an alleged fantasy football beef. Yeah. Move. He's been suspended for three games for what was called inappropriate conduct and was hit with an undisclosed fine. And basically... I didn't get that at all. He said that it goes back to Jock Peterson... Uh, to something Peterson said in a group text about Fam's former team. Uh, caught on camera too, and it's all over Twitter. Um, but I guess it says something. Uh, according to uh, according to Jack Peterson, Peterson claims that Fam accused him of cheating in the fantasy league that they're in together. Yeah. Uh, Peterson said that the dust-up is the first time that Pham ever ran into him and claims there was no argument between the two before the slap occurred. Yeah, he didn't have any idea of what was going on, and Pham just came up and... Yeah, I still don't. Smacked him, more or less. And And I even was talking to my wife, and I said, why would I go up to somebody, even me, that somebody that doesn't even make, (laughs) 
somebody that doesn't even make maybe, uh, we'll say, $50,000, why would I go and smack somebody? Because I think that that person did something wrong. And that Peterson actually sent uh, Pam a screenshot of, I guess, the uh, rules and stuff like that. And he said he was playing, you know, w- what he did was within the rules. And he also said that Pham did the same thing. When, I don't know. But he was saying that Pham did the same thing. I don't know, but, but it's, fam- it's, just, it's just so Stupid of a reason. Yeah. Pam is one of these hotheads, too. He's one of these hothead yeah. punks. He's a good uh, he's a good ball player when he's out on the field. But, man, he's he's just one of these hot-headed punks. Yeah, it's just too stupid of a reason. Yeah, exactly. However, fighting over a only thing, fighting over a fantasy football uh, thing. Why would I yeah, smack somebody? Even if I had a hundred million dollars, why would I smack somebody? Because they're not pl- because I don't like think that. they're playing within the rules. What do What do you think, Lou? What do you think about this whole uh, <laughs> about this this whole situation? So so dumb over a over a fantasy team. You know, I was trying I was trying to sort it out and like, uh, you know, what was this all about? You're gonna slap somebody over somebody's football fantasy team and for for what? I mean, I'm like, you know, uh, it was something I, I just thought was just like, you know, was like just completely made up. What has actually happened? Uh, you know, so I was, I was trying to figure out what the hell's going on. No, it actually happened. Apparently, yeah, yeah, it actually uh, happened. Still, you know, kind of, it's kind of stupid, you ask me. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, no, it's definitely, definitely yeah. St- it's, uh, stupid. It, it doesn't. Stupid make isn't sense. the word for it. It doesn't make sense. Why? Yeah, stupid isn't. Stupid isn't be, the word for it. <laughs> why it would be something over, you know, so, something over fantasy something football. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Something petty. How, however, this wasn't the first altercation that, or right. not altercation, but first uh, situation that happened uh, this past week, as the Yankees had Josh Donaldson hit with a one-game suspension this yes. past Monday after after the Yankees star made a Jackie Robinson reference toward Tim Anderson, who is. A, that who is a black member really of the Chicago necessary. White Sox. Yeah. And when J- yeah. so basically what happened what happened was last Saturday, JD JD ended up saying or Josh Donaldson ended up saying what's up Jackie to Anderson yeah. who is black. And Tony La Russa responded, calling calling it racist, but Donaldson later claimed he was oh. referring to a 2019 mm-hmm. Sports Illustrated article in which Anderson said he felt like today's Jackie Robinson, 
and claimed he's joked with Anderson about it in the past. However, Anderson was – so here's the thing. If, and, if, if he had joked with Anderson about it in the past, you would think Anderson wouldn't be pissed off, right? Right. You yeah, would you would think. You would assume that he wouldn't be pissed off. But apparently, uh, Anderson was clearly pissed off about, about the comment, saying it was uncalled for, and he would never – and he would quote never sleep this off. <laughs> never sleep it off, God. So, I mean, it's just, it's just asinine. Some of the, you know, so, some of the stuff that brought that gets brought up uh, that that has been brought up recently, and. You know, you're almost wondering what what the hell is going to be next. You know, yeah. what's what's going to come up next that is going to, you know, that that's that's going to basically piss people off. Yeah, two words that uh, out out of that whole uh, comment that you mentioned is that. Uh, uh, it said it was a racist comment. To me, how well, you, you know, where's uh, you know, racist, you know, a racist comment. That's not being a racist uh, to me. Yeah. That's just well, he mentioning. Called him, he called him, you know, Jackie yeah, Robinson, Jackie even Robinson, though he's though. black. Yeah. He called him Jackie Robinson. There's, I mean, supposedly we're going based off of what off of what Josh Donaldson said that supposedly they've joked about it in the past. Okay, if they joked about it in the past, Anderson wouldn't have had a problem with it. Yeah, what's racist about it? Well, he wouldn't have had a problem with him about it, but clearly he had a problem with it. Yeah, he didn't have a problem, but he had a problem now. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, it's just, it's just so. I mean, come on, the guy the guy has to the guy has to know better. The guy has to think first. Like, okay, how is this going to look? Even though I may have joked about it with him in the past, how is this going mm-hmm. to look on my end if I'm saying this to a black player? You know, nobody, obviously, nobody outside of the inner circle that players have, nobody else yeah. would know the meaning behind it. You know, nobody would have known that he was that he was kidding all along about it. So, unless they read, uh, you know, deeper in what was yeah. going on. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, though, it's just it, this wasn't necessary, basically. 
it's one of those moments where no, really, where you know you should you should really think about what you about what you say if especially if you're an athlete because you know damn well that it get that it'll get basically blown up by the media exactly even if he was kidding the whole time but that's you know obviously the, the, i i guess apparently uh this week has been has been a week about uh about confrontations <laughs> stupid mm-hmm. confrontations uh, by the way there is there is one thing i want to say though uh i'm actually uh obviously we know uh the horrible tragedy that took place a couple of days ago yes. with uh uh what's the, what's the name of the uh of the town Uvaldi Uvaldi uh yeah Uvaldi Texas yeah Uvaldi Texas uh obviously you know if if you haven't heard about the about the story you've obviously been living under under a rock uh but right. A you know a shooter had or uh, an 18 year old kid uh, had gone into a uh, he was being chased by the cops he crashed his car although this story reportedly had been changed I guess uh, according to what we talked about on the Sur- Survivor podcast uh, Thursday night uh, but supposedly yeah. he was chased he was chased by cops into an elementary school. Where he then started opening fire, killing I think what what was it nineteen uh, kids and two teachers. Nineteen kids and two teachers. Something like that, yeah. And there's and there's a ton more a ton more were left injured. Um, the one thing I did I did like seeing around the world of sports is you had arenas. Uh, right before they did the NBA, the NBA playoffs or the Stanley Cup playoffs, you had the live televising of the moment, of, the moments of silence, followed by the, uh, followed by the respective home team actively campaigning for people to call their state senators and advocate for for gun control. And yeah. not, it wasn't just the, it wasn't just the teams, but you also saw it on multiple sports networks as well. Like I know NBA on TNT, they had an awful big, or not not an awful in the awful kind of way, but they had an awful long discussion. Yes. About about the whole entire incident, and you know it provided a whole bunch. It provided a whole bunch of uh a whole bunch of uh of uh what's it what's the word I'm looking for? Attention towards the issue. Because this yes. is an issue that has been shelved uh on Congress for multiple for multiple years and nothing has been done about it. And now obviously there's still gonna be nothing done about it. But now you have 
sport you have sports which a lot of people look up to sports athletes a lot of people look up to you know to commentators uh you know there's a lot of icons that come from the world of sports and now you're starting to have them start to speak up about the tragedy that took place mm-hmm. and you know you, you we may start to see even more influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, we may start to see more athletes gain even more influence because of the fact that, I mean, obviously we ha- we already saw uh, where they spoke out about Black Lives Matter, um, and how that helped fuel the Black Lives Matter movement. Now we're hearing them talk about gun control and stuff like that. So maybe perhaps. Uh, we will see because of athletes now starting to get involved, maybe perhaps we will start to see more movement on that front. I think so too. But I just, I just thought it was a very good, you know, it was a very good uh, idea for NBA. Yeah, Yankees and the Rays in it too. Yeah, Yankees and Rays, uh, Boston and Miami did it as well. I believe Golden State and Dallas did it as well. Uh, you saw, you know, you've seen you've seen multiple multiple uh, sports teams, um, you know, actively help contribute in uh, trying to get people to pressure their. Uh, yes. Their their uh, their state government, the final or their state senators to finally do something. Right. We well, hope you can. I mean, I, yeah. Yeah, I you know I just <coughs> I just I just wish it, I just wish something like this didn't have to happen for for people right. to finally start to put pressure on this, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've I've heard ever since Sandy Hook that, you know, it's gonna take uh you know, somebody getting killed for uh something to actually uh be done. Well that's, and that's that usually part. how it is. Yeah. All right, we have a we have about a few minutes left. Uh I wanna get a few other topics in here. According to USA Today's Jarrett Bell he is reporting that NFL owners are counting votes on potentially removing Commanders owner Dan Snyder from the league. Uh-huh. Bell's source, mm. Bell's source is reportedly an anonymous NFL owner. So by counting votes, the owner is alluding to the fact that 24 franchises would need to vote Snyder out and the cohort that wants him gone is seeing if they have the numbers necessary to make it happen. Now, yeah. obviously, an official, vote, an official vote has yet to occur, obviously, but uh, the, this move stems from the ongoing investigation into the commanders that alleges that they cheated other organizations uh, out of ticket revenue, which is shared amongst the franchises. 
The allegation adds that the team withheld as much as $5 million in refundable deposits from season ticket holders. And not just no. that, but you also, yeah. you also add on to the fact, too, that they're being investigated for uh, they're being investigated for sexual harassment uh, from multiple multiple ex employees. Uh, I mean, at this point, it would actually look good on the owners, I would think, if and good for the for the NFL as a whole, I should say. If they're able to oust uh, to oust Dan Snyder through a vote, right? I mean, let's get your thoughts on this, Lou. What do you think that we have seen the final days of Dan Snyder as an NFL owner? Long overdue, to be honest with you. I think the time has come that Snyder does get removed. It's been a lot. It's been you know. It's been a long time coming. There's been so much controversy. Yeah, the, the time has come. Yeah, I I think it's that. Now the question is obviously, will there be enough votes? Uh, but I think it's That's a big step. Story. The fact that I think it's a big step uh, with the fact being that they're even approaching it. You know, they're even approaching. Uh, the possibility that, okay, could we potentially get uh, the amount of votes needed in order to, in order to oust him. What are your, what are your thoughts on this JB? Me not, you know, not reading up on this or anything like that. I'm thinking, uh, number one, are they going to have enough votes? That's the thing. Probably not. Yeah, I mean, even if they, uh, even if they have enough votes, is he, you know, going to end up coming back in a different, uh, in a different way? Right. No, I don't. I don't th- what do you mean? What do you mean in a different way? Oh, in a different. Uh, I don't know how to put it in words. In a different capacity? In a different capacity, that's what I meant to say, yes. Yeah. Like like what like would he be uh like for example, would would he be a uh like instead of an owner, uh would he be a like a general manager or something? Uh Honestly, I don't see it that way. I don't see that potentially happening. I think that if he gets ousted, you know, he won't be banned. I would find it highly unlikely that he would, uh, you know, that he that he would be entering another position on the team or with a different team. And it depends on what the vote is. If it's a very close vote, I can see a team that likes him saying, hey, if you want, we'll pay you to be uh, not an owner, but we'll pay you to be maybe 
head coach slash uh, general manager or something like that. Yeah, you know, I I don't know. I mean, I could see I could see him maybe potentially getting a general manager spot, but even that is kind of murky. You know, I just don't uh, I don't really know cuz your gut's telling you no, right? You know, there's there's just so many variables, basically. That too many. You even, know, they're already they're already pushing him out of the league. You know, how bad yeah. is it going to look on them if if he ends up just just signing back on, but with a different organization? You know, with a different title. It would look horrible right. on the league, I would think. So. I don't really know if I could see uh I think if he's if he's out of the league kind of like Donald Sterling with the uh, Clippers. Oh. Uh you know, he was out of the league, he was pushed out of the league and he hasn't returned since. So I don't think there would be much uh you know, I don't think we would see him potentially come back over under any other circumstance. That's a good thing. Well, obviously, yeah, yeah, that's definite. That's that's a good thing, because um, obviously, what he stood for, you know, what has no place uh, in the league whatsoever. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. uh, that that is I'm going not... to do it for us tonight. Uh, thank okay. you, Lou and JB, for joining me. Uh, we obviously. Like I said, if you guys haven't done so yet, subscribe to the Miss EAE podcast on blogtalkradio.com slash Miss EAE, on iTunes or Amazon Music uh, or Apple Podcasts. And also stay tuned. Coming soon, we will have a podcast with one of the finalists from Survivor of this past season, from Survivor 42, and also the Big Brother podcast, will be coming in July, so stay tuned for that. Everybody have a good rest of your weekend, a good Memorial Day, and we will see you guys next Saturday for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly.